audio sermons from Peachtree Christian Church. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. My friends, Merry Christmas. Let's get a little bit more exuberant, shall we? Merry Christmas. Knocked it out of the park on that. We can just go home, I think. After I heard Dr. Jones and Jason Griggers, I, that was done for me. I had, I had been to the top of spirituality right there, my Lord. You know, friends, if, for those of you who don't know, um, my life has had some uh, bumps in the way of the past two, year and a half. Uh, I got really sick with liver disease. And so last Christmas, I was at home Christmas Eve, wishing I could be here with you and feeling very alone. And it, it, I had my sights set on being back for Christmas this year with you in the most robust of ways. And I was able to come back to work in February and be pretty healthy and it kept working. But then the doctor said, I think you need a liver transplant. And uh, on October the 22nd, I got that phone call that said, come on in for your transplant. So literally about six weeks ago, I, I got a new liver. And many of you do know that. And it's such a wonderful blessing. And I cannot uh, wait to share more stories of what God has done in and through that miracle for me and in and through the medical practices of the city for me. Um, but I tell you all that to say that when I woke up from surgery and I set to rehabilitating myself, my, my target was to be here with you tonight. And I'm so very thankful to God and my wife, God and the doctors for letting me be here with you tonight. So for me, it may not be much to you to see me here, but for me to see you, uh, it is a delight and a joy. And that's enough to say Merry Christmas, hallelujah, and amen. I'm done. Let's, let's actually spend a moment in breath to clear our minds and our hearts that we might hear from the Spirit of God tonight. Breathe in through your nose and fill your lungs. Gently exhale. Breathe in a cleansing breath. 
And now empty every bit of air you can. Breathe in the breath of God. God, we are gathered together tonight to celebrate, and we ask that you meet us here. Whether anyone else knows it or not, you and I know that without you I can do nothing. So we pray that your Holy Spirit fall right in this place and anywhere that my voice may be heard, that these words may be good and true and helpful. It is in your Son's holy and precious name we pray, and God's people together say, Amen. Early in December, I had a coffee with Rabbi Peter Berg of the Temple, our neighbors, just across the street. I've shared the story with many of you. We had a really challengingly emotional conversation. We talked about the rise of anti-Semitism in America and in Europe, stuff that I see in the news and you've seen in the news, both local and national and global. We talked about what was going on in Israel right now and on the Gaza Strip. And, and I sat with a friend who shed tears over the fact that a terrorist organization did what they did on October the 7th, and it killed people from the temple's loved ones. And hostages were taken, and, and they know hostages just across the street. It's, that's so close. And I could feel it. I could feel the pain. And then I, I said, as this really holy man, this very ethical man was talking about the, the difficulty of being angry and hurt about that atrocity, but also struggling over the response. Nowhere in his heart does he wish for anyone to be displaced. Nowhere in his heart was there uh, room for the innocence and the death of the innocent folks to happen in Gaza and Palestine. Nowhere in his heart was room for any of that. And there was just this weird, challenging, ethical and spiritual and personal angst that we were just walking through together. It was real. So I said to him what Peachtree Christian Church folks often tell me, what can we do? They always ask me that question. You ask me that question. Whenever something faces the Jewish community, they say, what do you think we can do? And so I said very diligently, I said, my people at Peachtree Christian, your neighbors, we want to know what can we do? And he gave me that simple bit of advice. And the instruction went like this. Tell your people, if they have Jewish friends or family or neighbors, to let them know they're not alone because they do feel like they're alone. So I went home with that that day, thinking I probably would just come to the church and tell you about it, but didn't realize I would have the opportunity to utilize it just hours later. I was pulling out of my driveway to pick up my son from school, and on the way down I saw this Orthodox Jewish man who lives one neighborhood over. He walks through a trail through the woods from one neighborhood to my neighborhood, and then he walks down the road to Roswell Road and somehow goes off to work. Very traditional Orthodox clothing. I've talked to him a time or two. I know his name. And this time I pulled up to him and I rolled down my window and I greeted him by name. He greeted me by name. And I said, I don't know if this is going to sound strange to you, my friend, but I just want you to know that given everything that's going on, I just feel like I have to tell you, you're not alone. I see you. And the tears began to well up in his eyes. And I thought, oh my God, 
he's carrying these feelings just below the surface of his operating system, his day-to-day life operating system. And the tear then fell over the precipice of his eyelid and rolled down his cheek. And I just said, if you'd like to be friends, we can be friends. Oh, it's no news to you that this fall and this winter has carried with it some very dark stories coming out of that region, which is why tonight is hard for me. Because tonight is the night when we as a church and the Christian community often reflect on the great nativity story. We've read it tonight. We go to Luke's gospel. Sometimes we go to Matthew, but we like Luke. Luke has all the bells and whistles, all the things you want in the great nativity story. It's got a doting mother who hears words from shepherds, and there's magi that come later. It's got angelic proclamations, and then there's that great line I love about Mary, who treasures these things and ponders them in her heart when she hears about who her son is said to be. And we, in an American culture, we, we saccharine this story. We make it really sentimental. We have it emblazoned in the stained glass window, the center one on the left side of the sanctuary, and there it is, not quite as saccharine as I've seen it, but it's still sweet. We pretend and imagine that this is a gentle, sleepy night with a perfectly sleeping infant, no cries, no tears, and then there's animals, because remember, they're in some sort of what we imagine is a barn. And there's animals all around, and no one talks about the smell. And, and then there's people who are visiting left and right. Some shepherds show up and say a bunch of strange things. And then maybe even these interesting, strange wise men from the East come and strange, strange things. We, we act like it's nice and domestic. So if you're like me, I actually really like hearing the historians at this time of year and the biblical scholars and the archaeologists, because they, they give us the true facts of what an inn was like in the first century what Mary and Joseph might have experienced in terms of where they were staying, what a manger really is, what can we really expect for where they were staying. And I love that as a minister and a theologian because I like to get into the story. I like to be there. I like to smell the smells. I I want to feel the the wind on my face and sense the rhythms of the people, and I want to feel that dirt beneath my feet. But the thing about that is, when I do that this year, when I think about what's going on 2,000 years ago in Israel, and that included the Gaza Strip, it takes me right back to today, right back over there, and it takes me right to that heartache and that brokenness and the war and the blood and the hatred, and it takes me to the darkness. And this is Christmas. I don't have time for feeling like that. Doesn't make me feel good. Isn't everything about tonight and tomorrow supposed to make me feel the feels? I mean, I'm supposed to ignore all the ways in which I'm blue this season, aren't you? It's supposed to be magical. It's supposed to be family and faith and warmth and whatever you want it to be. So going to Luke is troubling for me. Luckily, the lectionary gives us other readings. And so I have taken the coward's way out and found an alternative Scripture tonight, St. John's Gospel, because I don't get any of that nativity stuff. I don't get any of that earthy bit. No, John does a different thing. What's ironic about that is other years that John has offered, I'm usually too cowardly to preach that on a night like tonight, because what we want is all the images of nativity. But John, for me this year, is a reprieve. John's gospel is not focused in on the local and particular nativity with Joseph and Mary, but his lens, the lens of the gospel of John, pulls out farther and farther 
it's wider and it's bigger and it's showing more and more. And next thing you know, when you're standing with St. John and you're hearing what St. John is talking about, he's talking about the cosmos. In the beginning was the Word. That word is an interesting word, word. It's logos in Greek, and it can mean a lot of things like meaning or communication of or imagination. In the beginning was the word, and this word is the concept attached to this person that we have come to worship tonight, Jesus. This word is the name given to the one who shepherds will bend the knee to and wise men alike. And it tells us that before all of creation, before the cosmos had a foundation laid, before everything was the word of God, Jesus pre-exists. What John does so beautifully is celebrate Christ as no Johnny come lately. Jesus was already there. But for many American Christians, Jesus is a figure that lived somehow 2,000 years ago, lived approximately 33 years, depending on how you do the math. St. Irenaeus will say 50 years, but let's not argue. And then he did some really remarkable stuff, died, resurrected, and then we hope one day he'll come back again. But between then and now, we don't have a ton of things to think about Jesus except for going back to 2,000 years ago. That's how we often just think of Jesus. He's time-locked. But here for John, Jesus is before all of it. Jesus exists before a bang. Jesus exists before the cosmos and the comets. Jesus exists before earth. Jesus is And when you are before things, it gives you an authority. I once worked in a fine dining establishment, and I loved it. I just loved the whole thing. The learning about the chef's philosophy, the the intentionality behind the decoration. I would come into the restaurant, and I'd go through the kitchen. One day I remember walking in, and it was mad in the kitchen. Hot flames, water boiling over, chefs hollering at servers, servers calling out orders, knives everywhere, somebody doing dishes back over there. If it was theater, this was like the back of the house. And I was about to walk through those swinging doors, wearing my coat or my tie. And I swung through and I stepped out on the stage of the performance. And that was the theater of the senses. Every sense was provoked. As we were telling a story with food, oh, the music, music was sweet and gentle. The lights were low, it was candlelit. And there we presented a theater. I remember being at the host stand and two people came in. I took their reservation name, I marked it off, found their table, took the menus. And as I walked with them, I'm telling them about the restaurant. I'm doing the shtick. I love to sit down the, the, the folks and tell them about the evening specials and what wine pairings went with it. I, I love the whole thing. And as I'm doing that, going over the philosophy of the chef, the person, the male of the, the couple starts doing this to me. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I got the sense that maybe I was saying stuff this guy already knew. So I said, I'm sorry, sir. Have I already told you this before? Like, have I sat you and done this whole thing already? And he goes, no, 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 you're fine. He said, I, but kind of know it all. The chef's my son. I've heard it. I was there at the beginning. <laughs> John tells us that before there was a was, was Christ. Christ, the one who we come to worship as a baby, stood 
before creation, the cradle of the cosmos. Why do we celebrate Christmas? It is by divine imagination. And as we experience it, a mystery that this one person that we call Jesus the Christ or St. John the Word, it's celebrating this one taking on humanity in flesh, in blood, in mammalian birth, taking on human frailty, taking on human longing and human heartbreak and ultimately human death, taking it on for the sake of our redemption. God becomes like us so that we could become like God, says the church fathers. And I reminded of another one, St. Irenaeus of Lyon, who tells us something about the heart of God here. It is the glory of God to see a human being fully alive. A human being fully alive is the glory of God. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because we believe that this word of God stepped into our place to make us fully alive. St. John also celebrates that the divine energies or the divine ideas actually flow into everything within creation. Remember how I said that this word, word is an interesting one? It can mean word or communication of. It's interesting, logos in Greek is where you get ology at the end of any one of the studies in the university. Biology, for instance, study of life. But it's deeper than that. This word is pregnant with meaning. It has got so much meaning for it. It is like in the beginning was the meaning of the God. A meaning was with God. A meaning was with God in the beginning. All things were made through the meaning of God or wisdom. In the beginning was wisdom and the wisdom was with God and the wisdom was God and everything was made through the wisdom of God. You see, what we hear about Jesus is whatever God is communicating or creating or imaginatively loving into existence happens through Jesus. Jesus is the filter through which Christ is the filter through which all things have being in life. What that means, if you follow the interior logic of John and the gospel of Christianity, is that every single thing in the cosmos, every human, every person, every animal, vegetable, mineral, every blade of grass, every deer that strolls through your neighborhood, every possum that gets into your garbage can, every comet floating by the sky, every star that has yet to be born, every star that is dying, everything in the cosmos was made in, for, and by, and through Christ which means that the communication of God is present in everything. That means that life is a wash in grace. That means everything of the cosmos is already speaking the truth of divinity. It's speaking the truth of grace. It's speaking the truth of love. It's present everywhere. It is like life is teeming with divine importance, spilling over such that it is always full of God's purposes. If you want to put it simply, everything in creation has a divine thumbprints all over it. It's made by God. It ought to respond in God's way. You know, the PNC tournament is my favorite golf tournament of the year. Happened last weekend. It's one of these tournaments where pro golfers play with their fathers or their sons or their daughters or, or their sons. And it's, it's, a, it's great to watch. It's a lot of fun. The last like, three, four years, everyone's made a lot about Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods. Okay, spoiler, Charlie Woods is like, it's sickeningly good, bad. It sickens me how good he is at golf. It just blows my mind. This little dude can do stuff. He's amazing. But that's not what really catches everyone's interest. I noticed a few years ago, he was on the putting green with his father, and his father stood 
the way Tiger does. Crosses one foot in front of the other and leans on his putter a little bit. And the camera focused on Charlie, who went and stood by his dad and stood the exact same way. And people are making over it on the, the television broadcast, and people are pointing over there when the standby, you know, watching this thing. They're watching it, bystanders, and pointing it out. And then Tiger notices his son, and he just starts giggling. Of course, Charlie Woods is going to share some similarities with his father. Of course, because the very energies of Tiger have gone into his son. And that is how the things of creation are. John tells us that the entire world has something of the divine light because it's made by and for Christ. Now, why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because God touches the world. But when we follow John's gospel, we realize that God wasn't a, away from the world. That the world was because God touched it and let it be. Because God touches the things of the world and gives them life and meaning. And almost certainly God is always present around the world and with the world. But then comes the moment in time that we celebrate tonight. In the cosmic drama, there is the crescendo, the crescendo of God's touching and maneuvering himself within and for the sake of the world happens is a baby cries his tears in some scene we call nativity. That is the climax of this epic of redemption. And it's a climax that carries from the cries uh, next to a mother to the cries on the cross that will be given to shouts of Hosanna at the empty tomb. Just like that. I try to get out of the nativity, but even though I'm reading St. John and I have this cosmic vision, I'm, <laughs> dang, I'm brought right back down to the nativity again. Because it's the remarkable thing that God takes us on in full. In the most helpless ways, this is how God says, I'm showing myself to you. You didn't get it before, but let me show you again. I aim to change the world. Let me show you how. Not by coming a Lord to lord it over you. Not by being a master chess player to maneuver you around, but by coming a helpless babe and to lay my life down. Just like that, my mind goes right back to the nativity and now it's going right back to Gaza. It makes me think differently. It makes me think differently about people who I see as an enemy and people who I see as a threat. It makes me think differently about how I walk the world and taste my food. It makes me think differently about how I participate creatively in this world because if everything is already given by God and already speaking of God, then there's a worth of God for all things and each person has divine worth. But if you're like me and you wander back into the setting of the Middle East right now and you find it a dark place and you find it hard like I do or maybe you can't give your energies to it because life is hard enough remember what St. John also tells us about this one who's come as a baby he's the light of the world and the darkness can never comprehend the light Merry Christmas Merry Christmas